Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 52, and we're going to take a look at the book of Psalm, and we're going to look at number 96, verse 6, and I'm going to be reading from the NRSV version. So let's take a look at this one. It's really quite beautiful. I love it. It says, "Honor and majesty are before him." Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I love this verse. It's wonderful. The first thing that got my attention is honor and majesty. Second part is are before him. I love this because it reminds me that in our faith with Christ Jesus, we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Well, for those that think that God doesn't love them and that he doesn't think highly of them, You have been trained and taught completely wrong because right here we see there is honor and majesty in God. And it's not just for his sake because God is good in everything that he does, right? And I'm placing my phone down cuz I'm recording from this. So hopefully it will still pick up my voice here. Your heavenly Father, he's a wonderful and good God. And I know from personal experience from being raised in a cult and from being around negative people outside of being raised in that there are a lot of Christians that think that God is not a positive God that he's mean, he's hateful, he doesn't want what is best for you. This verse totally shows people up on that. And it's not mean to be mean, it's just saying that, you know, God is good. and there's honor and majesty are before him there's not hate there's not shame there's not regret there's not death there's not disease all the bad stuff comes from the devil it comes straight out of the pits of hell we worship a god of honor and of majesty so being that we worship a god of honor and majesty we should know that he loves us and he bestows his blessings upon us this is part of god's promises to us And those promises are extended to us through our spiritual father Abraham. Because as Christian believers to this day and in this time frame, we have two covenants, the old and the new. And then the entire Bible there there are hundreds if not thousands of promises all throughout God's holy word. And that comes from his honor and majesty. The second part of this verse says strength and beauty are are in his sanctuary, excuse me. strength and beauty. Notice it doesn't say weakness, frailty, or ugliness, or death, disease, or having a bad hair day, or having chickenpox or shingles or, you know, the things that we do not consider to be desirable, right? So, I know there are some religions in this world, especially within Christianity, which would be different denominations, They blame death and disease on God. They think that God gives them cancer to make them holy. You got to be kidding me. Cancer is not holy. Cancer is a curse straight out of the pit of hell. You know, there are so many things that people claim is holy that is not and it's not from God. If something is unholy, it cannot exist in heaven and it cannot exist in front of God. It cannot exist near him. So Cancer is under the curse. Well, we do not worship a god of curses. We worship a god of blessing. And that's very important to realize that because right here in his holy word it says strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Another thing this made me think of is that, you know, when you go to church, 
How do you feel when you go to church? And normally I don't talk about feelings, but I think in this respect it is important to really acknowledge that we are human beings and we have feelings. So let me ask you again. When you go to church, how do you feel? Do you feel blessed or do you feel shamed? Do you feel encouraged or do you feel condemned? If you are attending a church, they may mean well or they may not, but if they are saying anything that is outside of the goodness of God, you need to go to a different church, even if it's a church that you were raised in, maybe your parents go there, maybe your relatives go there, your best friend goes there, you're dating someone they go there. And you know, let's say you're married and your spouse likes the church but you don't. You need to have a heart to heart first of all with God and ask him to bless your marriage and you know, ask him to help you talk to your spouse and say, "Hey, this is not a good church to go to. We need to find one that really focuses on God's holy law and focuses on his holy word." Cuz right here it says strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I bring this up because, you know, I've been to churches that were not beautiful. And I don't just mean in terms of aesthetics like the surface, you know, like the walls and how it looks per se, but it really matters how people worship and what a church believes should be a part of worship. You know, there's some churches that it's just all about performance. You know, it feels like you're at a rock concert. You know, there's a time and place for those things. You know, it's not always at a church, but there are some churches that are very lively in their worship. You know, they have a band and things like that, and I go to church that is like that. They have a wonderful band and they have wonderful singers, but it's about the worship. It's about serving God. It's not about a performance. It's about lifting our voices and prayers together in an act of worship and reverence. So even though the music is modern, it's kind of semi-rock music a little bit compared to like an organ or something. We are still worshiping our God. Like there's there's still reverence there. Well, here we see there's strength and beauty in His sanctuary. So, if you're going to a church, it needs to be a place where you feel like this is home, and that's the kind of church I go to. I go to a church where I feel like this is home. This is home, and I had actually been drawn to this church for quite some time, but I wasn't really sure. what to do because I was already involved in my catholic faith at the time and I was like, well, do I really want to leave my catholic faith? And then some not so pleasant things happened to me within the catholic church and I woke up to the fact that hey, this is a cult. It's not focusing on the goodness of God. It's like every time I got sick, there would be some people that would think I deserved it and that I was cursed. And that's the same way that Church of Christ thinks, like the wrath of God Church of Christ, which is what I was raised in. So I was like I can't be around this. I need to be around people that believe in hope. They believe in the goodness of God. They believe that he heals and that God is good every day and that you know God doesn't give us disease just to teach us a lesson. God doesn't have to give us diseases to teach us a lesson. You know, let me put this into perspective. Let's say for example, you're trying to teach your child something. You're trying to help them grow in wisdom. Well, Do you purposely break their legs so they'll learn something? Like do you beat them in the head with a hammer? You know what I mean? Like do you cause them physical or emotional or traumatic harm? No. See, whenever someone says, "Oh, that's God teaching you a lesson. He's trying to humble you." Really, he's he's purposely trying to damage and kill our bodies and kill us. That's love? No, it's not. That comes from the devil. That comes from the enemy. See, 
it really makes no sense it's actually quite evil when when people say that oh this this hardship or this disease especially when it comes to death and disease when they say it comes from god that's a lie straight out of the depths of hell because god is bound by his love and his covenant and his promises to us to heal us and to restore us god is not the one that destroys our bodies He is not the one doing that. And plus also, why would God destroy our temple? Because when we give our life to Christ and we ask Jesus to come into our heart and the Holy Spirit comes and dwell dwells in us, our body becomes the temple of God. So, if you're of the belief that God brings disease on someone to teach them a lesson, that's a lie because God would never destroy his temple. And our body is the temple of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So just know the teaching of oh well, God's trying to teach you something. Guess what? God's already teaching us something. It's through His Holy Word. You know, God doesn't have this fickle finger or fate thing. I know there are a lot of people that believe in that, and I've met some people that believe in that, and I was raised in it. I always doubted it as a child because that doesn't make sense to me at all. Not at all. But just just so you know that when you give your life to Christ, excuse me, have the hiccups a little bit, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, you are the temple of Almighty God, like like your body, your 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 flesh and blood, your body becomes a holy temple. Because that's the only way that the Holy Spirit can dwell in you is to is to dwell there for God, for us to be Christ-like. Now that doesn't mean that we become like like what I've said before these crazy bible thumpers or you just live in your basement or your bunker and you never leave it or you stay in a monastery all day or something and, and never leave it that's not being holy at all because that's just being self-righteous and that's not spreading the gospel that's not helping people find Christ and that's not being a good example of Christ you know a good example of Christ is to get out there and meet people and to help people but if you don't get out there and meet people and help people then you're totally missing the ball game you know what people you tend to forget is that when we are believers in Christ we are technically in the army of Christ and it's not an army like the like the United States army or the French military or Russian military it's nothing like that You know, we do not fight with physical weapons in God's army. We fight with spiritual weapons. And God's holy word is sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, I was watching a series that Andrew Womack did on that, and I did not understand what it meant when the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword until I saw his series on that and I realized, wow, There is more power in God's holy word than I ever realized. It was so eye-opening and I'm so grateful for that. It's just a wonderful series, so if you have not watched it, you need to watch that again. It's by Andrew Womack. It is um God's holy word. It's it's a uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, I think is what it's called. It's really good. It's really excellent. It's a wonderful series to watch and to study. I learned so much from it. Um but it really opened my eyes to God's holy word even more. Like even though I'm already diving into God's holy word, we still need to renew our mind every single day so that we can draw closer to Christ and not be pulling away from him. Cuz I will admit there are times that every once in a while I don't want to read my Bible, there are times I don't want to watch anything religious. I'm like I just need a, a break. I need to be secular a little bit or something. 
And it's like, you know, I notice that whenever I try and be secular, I'm miserable. And I'm not saying that you have to be religious. I'm not saying that at all because I'm not religious. I just believe. So, you know, whenever I need to take a break, I take a break with Jesus. Not from Jesus, but with Jesus. I just say, hey, Lord, you know, do you mind walking with me? He doesn't mind at all. He'll go walking with me like we'll walk. You know, there's a path that's uh, near uh, the apartments where I live. You know, we have our own walking trail. And then there are times I go to the lake and walk. Sometimes I go to the mall and walk. And it's just nice just to be with the Lord, but not be like ultra religious, if you know what I mean. And plus, what's interesting is that I'll be walking and I will feel God's presence. And I love that because you don't have to be in church to feel God's presence. Do we need to go to church? Yes. We need to go to church every week. I think that's the least we can do to show honor and respect to our Heavenly Father and just say thank you. It, it shouldn't be, you know, because you fear you're going to go to hell if you don't go to church. You know, God doesn't want that. I mean, yes, there is reverence for the Lord for sure. But if all you're doing is just fearing God all the time, then, then you don't know that he loves you. You don't know that he loves you. And I know exactly how that feels because for the longest time I was terrified of God. Like I thought he was trying to kill me all the time because I was raised that God is a murderer. And that's just a horrible way to feel, especially as a child and as a little girl. And then eventually I woke up to the fact that that was a lie, a flat out lie. And I need to start reading God's word that, hey, this is truth, not lies. And, and you know, God loves me. You know, you know it's kind of interesting If you read the Holy Word of God from the point of view that God loves me, I'm made in his image and he loves me, it changes your whole viewpoint of the Bible. Whereas if you read the Bible from the point of view, I'm cursed, I'm ruined, I'm condemned, I'm a sinner, I'm no good, I'm nothing but a worm, I don't deserve anything. You know, you need to change your perspective to what God wants you to think. He wants you to know that you are one of his children. He loves you very much. You are made in his image, his holy image. And he loves you very much. And he's not the one that is destroying you. He's the one that is guarding and protecting you. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. He's doing everything that he can because he loves you. You know, you're one of his children. You know, for someone to say that God is bringing disease on someone or is... Or is You know, that God put cancer on their child or, dear, you know, God, please don't take my child. He's not taking your child. I've said this before in a previous podcast. I can't stand those St. Jude's commercials. I can't stand them because especially when they have parents on there that think that God's trying to take their child and they don't realize what they're saying. They have so much grief in their heart. They don't realize that they're speaking way out of turn and they're speaking a false doctrine. I've said this before. There's this one lady She actually said, oh, God, please don't take my child. Well, I mean, I think that would break God's heart because he's probably going, I'm not taking your child. I'm not killing your child. I'm not the one that does that. But this woman thinks that way. And what I find so odd is that she thinks that God is killing her child or please don't take my child. But yet she's probably lifting up prayers to heal her child. It's like, well, if you really think that God's trying to kill your child, if you really think that God is a murderer, why would you go to him in prayer for anything? Like, why would you think that he would heal your child or save your child if you think he's killing your child? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Another example I have is, you know, whenever people think that God is out to get them and that he's a bad and hateful God, he's spiteful, he's revengeful, 
is just horrible to people, which none of that is true. You know, if you really believe that, that would be like saying that parents when they when they love their child or when or when they're trying to teach their child a lesson, they try and drown them in a tub. That's basically what you're saying. Is it moral or good to drown your child in a tub to murder them? No, it's not. So if we know that that is immoral and horrible and a heinous thing to do, why would you think your heavenly father is trying to kill you or trying to harm you? See, that's the lie of the enemy. He wants us to think that there is no honor and majesty in God and that there is no strength or beauty in God's sanctuary. Cuz you need to remember that the devil tried to make himself God. He tried to steal God's power. He tried to steal God's honor. He tried to make it seem like God's sanctuary was about him, not God. That is why the devil is a liar and a thief. So, please recognize that if you believe in one of these in one of these false doctrines, you're not believing the truth. And if you're not believing the truth, then you will not be set free. It's just not possible because, you know, a lie entraps you. A truth releases you, gives you freedom. It enables you to live a long, wonderful, beautiful life. And right here in this verse, it's stating that. Because it's saying honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. There's no malice, there's no hate, there's no death, there's no disease. You know the enemy is the only one that tries to bring us harm. It's not God. It's not Jesus and it's not the Holy Spirit. God is the one that is calling the devil out on his behavior. Jesus is the one that is defending us from the devil and has saved us from our sins, and the Holy Spirit is our heavenly counselor. You know, for the longest time I did not understand the word counselor. because I remember growing up in a public school and I hated it because we had this one counselor she was always up to something she was a very conniving evil wicked woman you couldn't trust her she would lie about you she would lie about the kids to make it seem like she was doing her job like she would make it seem like there's a problem amongst the children in the school just to have job security so we knew we couldn't trust her at all she was horrible like as a little girl I hated her Um, as an adult, I could care less. I wish her well. I pray for. Her. I pray that she repents and gives her life to Christ because she was not being a Christian. And what's weird is that she was married. Like as a little girl, I always thought it was weird when bad adults were married. I'm like, who would marry someone like that? And then when I got to be a teenager, I kind of understood it better. I was like, oh, someone lowered their standards to marry someone like that. But see, here's the thing. I did not have a very positive opinion of the Holy Spirit for the longest time because whenever I heard the word counselor, I thought of this hateful, horrible, wicked woman that was a counselor at our public school. She loved trouble. She was almost like an HR manager. Always loved to feel important. Always loved to try and solve, you know, the planet's problems. But yet they create a lot of them just so they have job security, right? So I didn't understand that the word counselor. is someone that you can console in like they're there to give you guidance they're there to give you wisdom and i was like oh so this is someone i can actually trust cuz i kind of thought it was odd as a child that 
you know, if we believe in Jesus Christ and we give our life to Christ and we get baptized, God's going to send us a counselor. But I thought, well, I'm not going to give my life to Christ because I don't want a counselor to come into my body and my soul. I, I I don't want anything to do with that. I know what a counselor is like, and it's hell. I, I don't want to be around that. I don't want evil. So I associate counselor with this bad woman. Well, then once I realize that, hey, she's gone to the dark side. The Holy Spirit's on the good side, and He is nothing like what that woman is. Nothing like it. Nothing, nothing, nothing like it. He's for you, not against you. And God will never send you something that's bad. God will never do that. He can turn what has been used for bad in your life. He can use it for good. So, for example, let's say you lose your job. That's not from God. But he will help you get a better job. He will take what was meant for your harm and use it for your good. That's the goodness of our God. And so it wasn't until I got to be in my 30s that I understood that hey, I can ask the Holy Spirit for guidance because the Holy Spirit is part of God because it's the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And God will never send you something that's not holy. So I had to learn to trust first of all God the Father, then God the Son, God the Holy Spirit because I didn't trust any of them. I trusted none of them for the longest time because I was like, you know, I know there's a God. I believe there's a God. I know there's a God. But I don't trust him, don't like him. In fact, I hate him most of the time. When I was younger, I hated him. I cursed at him. I was like, stay out of my life. Guess what he did? And I suffered because of that. Um I wasn't really sure what to make of religion because I hated religion. In fact, you know what's interesting is that I hated religion growing up and then I became religious by joining a cult. And then I left it and it's like now I can't stand religion again. <laughs> it's just like and I've just learned that okay, I don't need to be religious to be holy. I'd rather be holy than religious because when you're holy and when you when you follow God, you don't need religion. You just need his son Jesus Christ. That's what I mean by I'm not religious, I just believe. And there's so much more peace with that. So it's not like I'm saying, you know, I'm Church of Christ, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm this, I'm that. I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. That's all I am. I probably go more towards the the messianic side of Christianity in terms of messianic Judaism because I do love their music. I feel I feel the presence of God in that. I mean, I really do, and I love Greek and Hebrew, but In terms of practicing my faith, I go to a Christian church. So you you need to go where you feel the most comfortable and they present the holy word of God the way that it is supposed to be. And I can't remember if I've talked about this before because I talked to a lot of different people about this stuff. So if I've said this before, you know, I guess you get a recap. I did try and attend a a messianic Jewish temple. I think I went twice. And you know when I originally went into the the sanctuary I felt like I was at home but then the the service started and it didn't feel right. And the service was like 2 or 3 hours long which I thought was excessive. I thought it was showmanship. I just thought it wasn't appropriate. And then um it was made very clear that if you're not Jewish, you're still a gentile. It's like there was still division within this church even though we have Jews that have come over to Christianity and they acknowledge that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah which is where we get the name Yeshua for Jesus 
there was still division in the church. I was like, you know, I didn't I didn't want to go to a church where, oh yeah, you're just a Gentile, you're still a Gentile. It's like we are believers in Christ Jesus. We are the children of Abraham. We are grafted into the family. Like we're basically if you if you were not born Jewish, then you are the adopted son or daughter of our heavenly father. And he loves all those children. But I just thought it was odd that they were still trying to practice a form of Judaism where it's like, no, we're better than you. It's like, no, you're not. We're grafted into God's holy family and we are all called to be holy. So it's one of those things that just felt like they were still trying to have a just remind me of Pharisees and Sadducees is what it remind me of and I just thought you know this is not where I can grow in my faith it just it didn't feel right per se and so I was like well there were things I liked and things I didn't like so it's like I just kind of felt like I couldn't grow there even though there were certain things I loved about it so I really dove into my heart on it I just realized okay I love Judaism because we we have a Judeo-Christian faith and I love Greek and I love Hebrew, especially Hebrew. You know, I can still love those things and not attend like a Jewish synagogue or something. You know what I mean? Like you can still go attend whatever church you want, but what I'm saying is that what you love belongs to you and it's in your heart. It's not in anybody else's heart. And God put those things in your heart for a reason because he loves you on a very personal level. See, we have a one-on-one relationship with God. It's not oh he only loves me if I'm at church or he only loves me if I go to this church. That is not what this is talking about at all. It says honor and majesty are before him meaning it's about God. So when it's about God then it's not about us. That doesn't mean that we're not important. If anything we are very much important because it is about God. But being that it is about God it means that he takes us for who we are, where we are and what we are at any and every moment in our life. Because whenever I put Jesus first and I put God first, I'm not thinking about me and my inferiority or my flaws or you know something that might upset me, like some kind of hardship or misery that I've had in my life. When I think about God, and when I when I focus on what His Son did for me, I don't focus on this stuff that can irritate me. I really do not, and that is such a blessing. So it's it truly is true. Less of me, more of you, Lord. That doesn't mean that we are less important. It means that it gives him, we're basically giving him a chance to help us. But if we make it all about me, 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 then we're not giving him a chance to love his children, and we are his children. We also are not giving ourselves a chance to go into his sanctuary and have strength and beauty, and that beauty applies to both male and females. See, sometimes we fall into the trap that beauty is only in women. That's not true. God made both of us in his image. So both male and female are beautiful. So just because a man is beautiful doesn't mean that he's gay or homosexual. Not by any means. We're made in the image of God. So being that we're made in the image of God, we're not homosexuals. We're not gay. None of us are. When someone partakes or chooses to be in that behavior, that's a choice. That's not what God intended for them. Because homosexuality is outside the goodness of God and homosexuality does not exist in his sanctuary. And here's how we know this. Whenever there are evil Catholic priests that practice homosexuality and they bring that perversiveness 
into the sanctuary, it is considered a really bad sin. Why? Because homosexuality is against God's law. And also, it's not supposed to be in any type of priesthood. Regardless of whether you are a Catholic priest or a Jewish priest or, you know, technically we are all priests of the gospel. We are all vicars of Christ in Jesus. So that means none of us are supposed to be participating in homosexuality, whether male or female. So it's very important that when when we enter the sanctuary of God, we have a clear understanding of just how much he loves us and he wants us to be who he wants us to be who he wants us to be. You know, it really greatly disappoints me that the month of June has now been stolen by the homosexual crowd and it's now like the LGBTQXYZ whatever they call it. They've stolen that whole month, and I think that is so wrong. Because our lives, our days, our very breath belongs to God. So if you think about it, the homosexual agenda—they've stolen a month, and I knew that was going to come down the pipeline. They stole the rainbow as their symbol, and I'm just like, wow, you got to be kidding me! Like I think it's very. oxymoron or um just really bad to steal that symbol and use it for their agenda because if you remember the rainbow is what God gave us as a sign to Noah and his family that he would never again flood the earth that he would never again do that to destroy mankind Every time I see a rainbow It warms my heart because I know God is good and he loves me. The rainbow is a sign of God's covenant. What's really sad is when is when people take something that God gave us and they pervert it. See, perversion does not exist in God's kingdom. It does not exist in his sanctuary. So if it does not exist in his kingdom or his sanctuary, it should not exist down here on earth. It should not. Even though we're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, that does not give us any excuse to live however we want and just do immoral, bad things. See, because this verse says, "Honor and majesty are before Him; strength and beauty are in His sanctuary." You know, if, if homosexuality was okay, then. Then wouldn't it be okay for these priests to have sex with these little boys? It's not okay. They're pedophiles. Like the Catholic Church has had a lot of lawsuits and probably would have a whole lot more lawsuits if more stuff came out of the closet. If stuff wasn't hidden. And if the victims of those crimes and the victims of those injustices, if they actually got justice how wonderful would that be cuz it would it would honor god see whenever we don't honor god the world falls apart and bad things happen but when we honor god we are guarded and protected and what happens in secret will be brought out into the light 
not to shame and blame, but to correct anyone that is doing harmful things, living outside of God's law and hurting people. And also, it encourages people to have a good life, to live the blessed life. You know, it's kind of hard sometimes to have a, a good life and a blessed life if you are the victim of a really horrible crime. Especially anything of a sexual nature, especially on a child. See, those horrible things do not exist in the presence of God. Because it's not ordained by God. Just like disease is not from God. You know, cancer does not exist in heaven. So cancer is not from God because it's not from heaven. Cancer comes straight out of the pits of hell. Because it's trying to destroy the temple. See, we need to really focus on what does God want for our lives. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. But we have to walk his path. Being stubborn, it doesn't pay to be stubborn. If you are naturally stubborn, don't worry about it. Use that as perseverance. I think there are a lot of people, and I'll close with this, I think there are a lot of people that get falsely accused of being stubborn. I was one of them. And it's used as something negative. I was like, you know, I'm not stubborn. I'm just goal-oriented, and I refuse to give up. And here's the thing. The people that told me I, that I'm stubborn, they were people that were trying to get me to do something I didn't want to do. And usually when I don't want to do something, it's because it's either illegal, unlawful, or makes me uncomfortable. So I always find it interesting whenever someone says, oh, you're just being stubborn. It's like, no, actually, I just dislike what you're saying or doing. So please recognize that you know, God doesn't call you stubborn. God doesn't call you all these negative names. He calls you by your name that is beautiful, that has strength, that has honor. Because you are his daughter. You are his son in his family. And it's his holy family. Not his wicked or evil family or dysfunctional family. God's family is holy. There is peace in there. There is prosperity. There is health. There is healing. There, there are wonderful relationships in God's holy family. That's one thing I love about. Like I was not raised... in a normal home. I recognized that. So for the longest time, I I thought every relationship was supposed to be dysfunctional. Then I wake up to the fact, well, that's a lie. Because when I read God's holy word, dysfunction should have no place in our life. So we're supposed to rebuke dysfunction. Just say, "No, thank you dysfunction. I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ." I'm not tolerating that. I'm not going to have that under my roof. I'm not going to have that in my job. I'm not going to have that in my friendships. And and if that means that I don't have hardly any friends as many as I used used to, that's okay because I got a friend in Jesus. That's okay. Cuz God will bring me the right people that I am supposed to be around. That love me, adore me, you know, want to be around me and you know, we have mutual respect for each other and we love each other. and we're there for each other that's why the bible says a faithful friend is like a sturdy shelter he who finds one finds a treasure meaning it's rare to find someone like that but when you find one you keep them in your life because they they are they are true 
They are priceless. Recognize that you are priceless. You are priceless and not only that, you were purchased for a price by Jesus Christ. Don't throw that away. Don't throw away your worthiness. Don't throw away how much value you have to God. Draw close to him. I don't care where you're from, where you're going, what you've been through, what decisions you've made, what decisions you did not make, it doesn't matter. God loves you for who you are, where you are, what you are, all those things. He loves you. He takes you as you are. And he wants to bless you all the days of your life. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Waves transform the earth